Now's a good time to remember where the story of tequila started. In 1795, the first tequila distillery was opened by the Cuervo family. And 229 years later, Cuervo is still going strong. Family owned from the start. Same family, same land. Now's a good time to enjoy Cuervo, the tequila that invented tequila. Go to Cuervo.com to shop tequila or visit a store near you. Cuervo, now's a good time. Trademarks owned by Beckless AB to CV 2024, Proximo, Jersey City, New Jersey. Please drink responsibly. Another day is here and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Think you know the Brooks Ghost? Think again. Introducing the all-new, better-than-ever Ghost 16. Now with nitrogen-infused cushioning for lightweight, supreme softness that feels good every step, every street, every single day. So go ahead, take your daily joyride in the all-new nitrogen-infused Ghost 16. It'll turn your everyday miles into everyday endorphins. Let's run there. Head to brooksrunning.com to learn more. San Antonio District Judge resigns after a federal corruption probe. A former San Antonio, Texas judge goes to federal prison after pleading guilty to accepting bribes in exchange for rigging cases in his court. Angus McGinty committed the ultimate judicial sin. Why did you do it? I did it because I was foolish. Listen to How to Bribe a Judge on RevolverPodcast.com, Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, or wherever you get your podcasts. The John Anik and Kenny Florian Podcast. Gangsters, what's up, guys? Kenny Florian. Oh, my God! Here are your hosts, John Anik and Kenny Florian. Oh, the pleasure is all on this side of the table. It is Monday, October 22nd, 2018. This is episode 176 of the Anik and Florian Podcast. I will not be doing the show in a Boston accent today. (laughs) It's good to see you, Flo. Good to see you as well. First of all, I want to say congratulations on the new deal with the UFC. They did the right thing, my man. Well, thank you, buddy. I, I appreciate awesome. it. Uh, I am thankful to be on board for another four years, and uh, here we go. You know, It's crazy to think where you and I were in 2008, sitting in Bristol, Connecticut, hosting MMA Live, cutting our television teeth, if you will, and now 10 years later, the entire domestic package for the UFC is uh, is going to the worldwide leader in sports, and thankfully I'll be along at least for part of the ride. So thank you for that, and uh, onward and up, upward, kid, you know. It's awesome, man. I look forward to hearing your voice on the UFC call for many, many years, beyond well, four. I appreciate right? it. Yeah. Well, truth be told, you know, a lot goes into a, a negotiation when you're in broadcasting, and a lot of different thoughts go in your head. You think about your family, and you think about – you know, what you're doing. Mm-hmm. Will the grass be greener somewhere else? There are a lot of different sports out there, obviously. But I think when push came to shove for me, ultimately, I am just in love with mixed martial arts. You know, I'm no fighter, 
But I cannot get enough of this stuff, and, and particularly when it comes to the UFC. Uh, this is where I wanted to be, and, and when I thought about a life, a professional life without the UFC in it, uh, I had some very dark thoughts. So I'm glad <laughs> that that is not my reality, and uh, hopefully the Anakin Florian podcast will be going strong for the foreseeable future as well. Uh, a lot to get to today. We will get to the UFC Moncton selections. It's been a couple weeks off here for the UFC, but a big one coming up. Vulcan News, Demir, Anthony Lionheart-Smith in the main event. You can see it on FS1. So Ken Flo's got a pick on that one, and I'm very curious to see which way he's going to go. That's a main event that will probably keep me up on this East Coast, right, till 1, 1.30 in the morning because I want to see what happens, and I don't think it's going to go the distance. So we'll get into all of that coming up in the main event challenge. Uh, but a few things off the top before we talk to Ray Longo after what was another busy weekend for him. So since we were last on the air, Dana White was asked about George St. Pierre and his mm -hmm. seeming willingness or desire to fight Khabib Nurmagomedov. And he, George, clearly sees the upside, Kenny, of that fight. But Dana White came out and said that if he is going to try to drop down to 155 pounds, he would first have to take on one of these contender types. Now, the UFC did right George St. Pierre when he came out of retirement four years out of the game. They gave an immediate UFC middleweight title shot to him against Michael Bisping, which he took advantage of, obviously. But this time around, I think you got to understand where Dana's coming from. To inject George into this division that is top-heavy and absolutely loaded and have him pass by all of these contenders, I understand the money play would be to make GSP Khabib, but I kind of like the UFC taking a stance here and saying, look, we appreciate your body of work, but we got Tony Ferguson, a lot of guys waiting in the wings that are, at least on paper, more worthy of that championship opportunity. Oh, sure. But, uh, you know, in, in this game, you don't pick what's most worthy, you know, who is most worthy, right? Um, first of most all, most of the time, you're right. I, you, you know what I'm saying? It, it's about it's, it's the money game. Uh, so the fact that they're going this route, I think, is a great thing. Tony Ferguson absolutely deserves this shot. No doubt about it. Is that why they're doing that? Probably not. Um, you know, I, I listen, I, I think a, a fight between George St. Pierre and Habib Nurmagomedov is, would, would be a huge fight, would be a massive fight. Um, I'd say this, you know, Habib should fight Tony Ferguson. Let's see if they could get it done for a fourth time. Would be the fourth time or the fifth time? I think the fifth. Blow. Jesus. All right. Well, <laughs> yeah, fifth time. Let, let's see. Let's see if five, the fifth time is the charm and uh, make that fight happen. Um, if Habib is able to get by Tony Ferguson, uh, no, no easy task. <clears throat> then you make a you make a super fight, you know, because obviously here's the big problem, right? The UFC knows that George St. Pierre most likely isn't going to defend that title. He's going to fight right. once and go home. So, uh, which I get to, you know, he, he's deserving of a super fight. Um, the guy has done it all. This would be his third world championship, um, which would be. Just unbelievable, uh, but you you do it at, at a, maybe 160 pounds or 165, you know whatever Habib uh, right. agrees to. I know Habib isn't a big fan of cutting down to 155 consistently like that. Uh, do a super fight and then uh, you know one of those guys or both of those guys right off into the sunset. So how do you feel about GSP potentially cutting down to 155 pounds, right. or is your thesis statement just far be it from me to doubt? this guy when it comes to putting his mind to something and accomplishing that task right well listen i think he's a guy first of all that is mentally strong enough to make that weight mm -hmm. um i don't know how he would fight at that weight that that's a that's a whole thing right. uh, that's a right. whole different animal um I, I made 145 
uh, but really did not bring everything I, I had on, on fight night. I was just too sapped. Um, I don't know what George would be able to bring on fight night. Uh, would he make the weight? I absolutely believe he would. Uh, right. Would he still be a, a tough challenge for Habib? Absolutely. Would it be the same George St. Pierre that we're used to seeing? I don't know. Um, 155 is a big cut. I do know he's walking around much lighter than he used to, supposedly uh, mid-180s. Uh, which a lot of 155ers walk around at. Not a lot, but a, right. a lot of the larger ones, right? Uh, you look at, yep. um, you know, uh, trying to think, Habib Nurmagomedov Felder. himself, uh, Gray Maynard, Paul Felder, uh, Kevin Lee. Uh, these guys are huge lightweights that walk around, eh, you know, high 180s, maybe 190s. Maybe 190s. I mean, Paul yeah. Felder has intimated publicly that he has walked around uh, north of 190. Right, that's insane. So so I think he's totally capable of doing that, but I think something that would make a little bit more sense would be, you know, a super fight in the 160s. So, yeah. yeah. I wonder if George St. Pierre would come back if there wasn't a championship scenario. It would seem to me like there yeah, – I mean, maybe a super fight at a mm -hmm. catchweight against a guy who is 27-0 and the most dominant force in the game at present would have the appeal that would bring him back. But I think if there's not a belt on the line, I'm not sure that George would – be willing or want to put in all the work that comes before it but an interesting talking point nonetheless and yeah. I think for me my biggest takeaway is that Dana White is wanting to make Tony and Habib again and I think that is very exciting because that is the dream matchup I think for 90 percent of the avid mixed martial arts fans and even though I mean the odds are in favor Kenny of yeah. that fight staying together right it's gone away <laughs> four times I mean, I don't want to sit here and say, oh, fifth time's going to be the charm, but the odds are so in favor of those guys making it to fight night because four times one or the other hasn't been able to do so. Okay, fine. Uh, I'll go with that. I'll get on that train. But can yes. we all yes. just agree, everyone just kind of shake hands and say, if it doesn't happen for a fifth time, can we just, can we just not yeah. have these guys fight ever? It's just not going to happen, okay? It's not right. going to happen. <laughs> yeah. Well, I think that's where Dana was after the fourth matchup went away, right? right? He was like, oh, I can't put uh, this fight. I can't I can't issue bout agreements <laughs> for this fight because one of these guys is not going to make it to fight night. Yes. But, oh, or man, they have it, handlers it, with, like, gloves and, like, cotton balls that follow them yeah. around wherever they go and just, like, yeah. make sure no one hurts them. Well, man. and I also think, too, is that you make the paydays large enough that even if you got a torn ACL, you find your way to make that walk to the octagon. I mean, we know a lot of guys who walk in there 60, 65 percent. Certainly, true. we want a, a full throttle Tony Ferguson and a full throttle Khabib Nurmagomedov. Yep. But interesting nonetheless. And, and I do think that's going to be the next fight and the next. It's an amazing fight. Khabib. So a couple changes to UFC 230 since we were last on the air. And we've got some stuff on Derek Lewis and Daniel Cormier, time permitting, later in the show. But Luke Rockhold pulling out of this co-main event slot against Chris Weidman. They move Jacques de Souza out of his fight against David Branch to fight Chris Weidman. And you can say that this isn't necessarily a prime Jacques de Souza. But this is a new matchup at 185 pounds. It's a matchup that you and I have talked to mm -hmm. Ray Longo at length about. And... As we, in one breath, wish Luke Rockhold the best and a speedy recovery, in another breath we say this is a fresh matchup and one at middleweight that I've been dying to see for years. That's your new co-main event. 
come November 3rd at MSG. It's an amazing fight, and I think Chris Weidman uh, and Ray Longo has wanted that fight for a long time because yeah. of the way that Chris matches up against Jacare. Jacare is most dangerous when he gets on top. He has excellent takedowns. Does he have takedowns uh, to become a threat? towards a guy like Chris Weidman, I don't know. Now, he found some success. I think he was able to put uh, Gastelum on his back briefly. Um, but as the fight wore on, it was Gastelum's wrestling that allowed him to keep that fight on the feet. Um, I assume that Weidman wants to do the same thing, use his wrestling to stop those takedowns. If he gets on top, I don't think Chris is going to be afraid uh, to get on top of Jacare. I think especially a little bit later, second, third rounds, uh, fourth rounds, you know, to be a threat towards Jacare. I still think he, he could be a threat with his grounded pound. Jacare has a, has a dangerous guard, but it's never been the part of his game that is scariest uh, when it mm -hmm. comes to his jiu-jitsu game. So, um, you know, I, I think that's an interesting fight. I think Chris matches up very well against him. Uh, both those guys do have knockout power. Jacare Sos, especially with that overhand. Uh, so it's that's a great fight. That's a great replacement. I feel sorry for David Branch. Does David have a replacement? I'm not sure I heard that. He does. He so does. Okay, it is, who is it? It is Jared Cannonier making his oh, UFC okay. middleweight debut. In. That's right. So okay. and he had a fight later in November, so he mm -hmm. just sort of abbreviated the training camp and and hopefully he'll land on 186 pounds come November second. But yeah, so it'll be Cannoneer Branch on the main card on pay per view, and the new co-main event is Jacare Souza and Chris Weidman, and of course one man who has a lot to say about that, Ray Longo. Let us get to him. It's now time for the Ray Longo minute. I want you to punch a hole in this fucking chest. That's what I want. The Ray Longo minute. John Anik and Kenny Florian podcast. So as we bring in the great Ray Longo with his drop that says put a hole in his fucking chest. I don't know if you saw Mark Goddard on Twitter this weekend, Ray, going back and forth with fans. I didn't know until Goddard's tweets that corner men are not allowed to cuss and fighters are not allowed to swear that it's like a violation. Is Did, did you know that was in the rules? Um, obviously, I never heard of it. <laughs> <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I mean... <laughs> I don't, it's called I don't the Longo I, Clause. I don't even or know something. if I could go through a fight without cursing, but I would, I would try rules. But no, I never knew that at all. I'm gonna try and to I pull know, up the like, tweet as I, we're talking, yeah, so I that can. That rule is some... bullshit, Ray. Yeah, I... no, that rule is 100 percent bullshit. I mean, <laughs> you, get, you, know, you get emotional and things happen, and part of it so... is you lose your diction and your language uh, skills. Yes, but uh, man, a lot could happen in a week, though, John. Yeah, well, no, and I know, but I just so it says a fighter slash corner cannot shout out across the octagon obscenities in a fight. A fighter can talk to his opponent so long as it's not bellowed openly. Um, but uh, I guess I'll have to go back and and look up the rules. Ray, do we still have you, sir? I mean, I, I can hear you. Okay, we can hear you. We can't see you, but th you know what? That's okay. I, I see enough of you. I think on a week to week yeah. basis that I'm okay with <laughs> you, just audio. You, so you know what's horrible, get, John? I can see myself, which is even <laughs> that's a beautiful thing. So before we get into this whole Chris Weidman situation, and I know you've got a lot to say about that, it look for look like maybe one and one for you on the regional scene this weekend. Is that right? Uh, no, regionals, uh, we had a couple of losses, uh, but the, the two main guys, yeah, we had one big win, Charlie Campbell, right. uh, great fight, and uh, we had uh, Justin Montalvo, who was a big surprise to me, Got actually got knocked out, and I've, I've never even seen him buckled in the gym, so anything can happen with the little gloves, but I expect him to come back, he's a 
great sparring partner for everybody, and he's a big asset to the gym. But, yeah, to both guys, uh, yeah. And then we had a couple other people, uh, you know, win a belt and a couple other losses. So we, we had six guys fighting. It was a crazy night Friday night. All right, so a busy night for you, and November 3rd is going to be busy for you as well. The steamroller, Matt Frivola, is on the fight card, and so is Chris Weidman. Now, he was to face Luke Rockhold in a rematch, and I know this is a rematch that you guys wanted badly, but we've talked to you a lot about this fight against Jacare Souza, and for one reason or another, it hadn't come together. Granted, this is short notice, but it shall be done. Your thoughts on the new matchup for Chris coming up November 3rd? You know, I tell you, I, I was listening to Kenny before I uh, before I got on. Yeah, I kind of agree with everything Kenny said. I thought I think this to me is a better matchup, uh, and I, I think uh, you know he will use his wrestling to keep the fight where he wants it. He's in great shape. Uh, I'm going to push him hard this week, but now switch up a couple of things, and and that's it. You know, we were, I mean, I was sitting talking to Wonder Boy. Chris was in the bathroom. We were discussing, you know, some things about the Rockhold fight and what we were going to work on. And then Wonder Boy's phone goes off, and I see his face, like, go white, and he hands me the phone. Oh, <laughs> so, man. I don't even think they, they had a replacement at the time, but, you know, it was Chris's wife, and she told me. And I was like, wow, that just screwed up my whole day. I was sitting here. So, uh, you know, then we told Chris, and he was, you know, he was upset with the uh, – because he really wants some redemption. But, you know, we, we made the switch right on the spot. We pulled up some tapes, and we just went back to work. So it's a it's a quick thing. But I, I do like the matchup. And, uh, yeah, it's going to be a great fight. He's he's ready to go. So I'm, ha I'm happy about that. More than anything, he's healthy. And I just want to keep him that way for two more weeks, and I'll be happy. As far as uh, game plan execution, though, is it a lot different than what you were going to do against Rockhold, Ray? You know, technically, I mean, all the guy's orthodox. Uh, and, you know, like, again, he throws wild punches. Yeah. You know, I think uh, Rockhold was the more technical fighter. And being a southpaw, that presents its own problems. But, you know, Chris has fought a lot of southpaws. But I think this is an easy adjustment to make since he's orthodox. And I, I think he just kind of wings. You know, he's got every he's got very big power. But he should see most of that coming. You know what I mean? It should be no surprise. He's not going to out slick him where i think rockhold has some trickier stuff and like again he's longer he's a southpaw you know he's got a good check hook you know he's got a great left left kick to the liver on that side so yeah i think i, I like this matchup i think it's it look it was bound to happen anyway so i think this is going to make for a great fight and, and is it safe to say that as far as your preparation for uh, the fight against Rockhold and, and now Jacare, that he was working a lot on the ground since there was a lot of uh, important kind of ground transitions that happened in that fight against Rockhold? Yeah. Yeah, we're working a lot of bad positions because of the last fight. So, yeah, you know, Matt's been going over. Matt's been torturing him the last couple of weeks. And, uh, look, his ground game is good to begin with. But, uh, I, you know, I, I think, you know, like, again, Rockhold has a really – I mean, obviously, he's got an excellent top game, So and so does Jack Array. But, mm -hmm. you know, look, you know, he fought Damian Meyer on a week's notice, and Damian yeah. Meyer's jiu-jitsu is no joke. And, right. you know, at that time, he went for his, you know, he had Damian Meyer, he, he tried to choke out, and the bell rang, you know what I mean? Mm -hmm. So he's no stranger to the floor, obviously, but right. uh, he'll put this fight where he wants it. And I think uh, I think it's a great matchup. I'm, I'm excited. When was the last time you trained jiu-jitsu, Ray? Oh, man, it was a long time ago. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's the first time but I've I heard thinking, dead air. I am thinking, I, this is the game plan. I am thinking about it, but, 
Nobody over 150 pounds. I need one guy just to <laughs> rep. I don't want to. I will definitely start using strength, and I'll get hurt. I know there's no question about it. But I need a light guy who knows what he's doing right. and just to refresh everything. All right. Well, you do that. I just thought of a really good promotion for the Anakin Florian podcast, a jiu-jitsu match between me and you. <laughs> Ken oh! Flo coaches me. Matt Sarah coaches you. What do you say? I like this. I tell you, let's do it. All this right. is well, interesting. I'm not, I'm, I weigh more and, than and, and no weight category. You want you want you want this body on top of you, smothering <laughs> you. Go on, it's horrible. As long as we could swear in the corner, John, I'm I'm in. <laughs> yeah, right, right, right. Yeah, what is uh, this? When did when did this come about with this? I never heard about this. It, you know, I I should have done my homework before the show to actually pull up the rule, but it just dawned on me when when Ben Wasorik played that drop. You know that yeah. I guess technically you can be warned and ultimately penalized. So, dude, clean it up in the corner, Ray. I mean, I mean, uh, do we have to go back? I don't even what constitutes a swear word. Is it George Carlin seven words you can never say on television? Shit, piss, motherfucker, cocksucker. <laughs> Is that it? Is that cover everything, oh, Kenny? I love it. Shit, oh, motherfucking cocksucker and tits. That I don't think you can say. Yeah. Can you well, can you add anything, Kenny, to that? I can't. I can't. No, what I would no. say is next time, just say, put a flipping hole through his ch- flipping chest. Yeah. yeah. Holy crow. I better well, bring I... my check. I better bring my checkbook. <laughs> I think it's going to, could be a costly night on the third. Yeah. You don't want Mark Goddard on your ass, Ray. You got to be careful. Oh my God. Please. No, I don't want him. <laughs> I'll leave, I'll leave him alone. I tell you, I, saw right. him in, I saw him in Russia. It was really funny. He, he's, he's actually a good dude, but he's a, great he's a good dude. guy no, to break is. balls with, you know? Yeah. And and with John McCarthy now moving on, you know, Mark Goddard, I think, is is the cream of the crop when it comes to MMA referees and a guy that I lean on when I have questions. So so I thank him for that. All right. Final thing for you on Weidman versus Jacare. And I don't even know if this warrants a comment, but I just think it's interesting that Chris was going to be the, the betting underdog against Luke Rockhold. He's probably going to be a two-to-one favorite here against Jacare Souza. I mean, do you think it's fair to say that this is not a prime Jacare Souza, or are you expecting his very best in two weeks? Well, I mean, I, I hope he brings his best, but, you know, he's getting up there in years, so I don't think, uh, you know, that's going to work against him, I believe. So I don't think he's an up-and-comer at this point. <laughs> so, right. uh, But, you know, he's always a, a tough guy to fight. And obviously the jujitsu skills go nowhere. Uh, you know, they're always staying with you. So I don't know. I hope he's, uh, I hope we see the best Jack Array and I hope we see the best Chris Weidman. That always makes for a great fight. And then you got Matt Frivola taking on Lando Venata. This has got to be the biggest fight of his career to date, I would think. I got, that's a tough fight, you know, yeah. but I was with uh, the steamroller last night. Uh, he looks great. So yeah, I think uh, that's going to be, a, I think that's going to be an interesting fight. All right, last thing before we let you go. I think Steamroll is definitely underrated. Last thing before we let you go, Daniel Cormier, Derek Lewis. Um, A lot of people have suggested that maybe Daniel is signing on the dotted line because he sees a clear and easy path to victory in this fight, despite the fact that the Black Beast has won nine of his last ten. We know what the circumstances are surrounding this fight, that it came together very quickly, but how competitive a heavyweight championship are you expecting to see at UFC 230? Uh, not too competitive. Okay, no, that's <laughs> I think, fair. I think that, fair. I think DC will. You know, look, it's a it's a short turnaround for anybody, and obviously, you know, everybody loves Derek Lewis, and he always has a puncher's chance. But I think if he gets in trouble with DC, he's not letting him off the hook, and 
I, I expect DC to gas him out and just uh, finish him. All right, Ray Longo. Referee stoppage in the second. Oh, you've even given us a prediction a oh, week yeah. early. I was going to say, we will talk to you next Monday, and it will be fight week for the big one at Madison Square Garden. So thank you yeah. for your time. As always, we'll talk and to you next And when is this jiu-jitsu match going down? Matt Sarah is going to be very excited. Uh, I need some time. I got to figure that out. 2019. This is obviously no gig because yep. I don't even have a pair of pajamas at this point. That's right. I, I, I've never <laughs> I've never trained jiu-jitsu without a gi. So, Kenny, are oh, we doing no gi? Oh, my my fighter's going to need a lot of time, Ray. We're going we're gonna to need at least <laughs> six months for this camp. You're, first off, you're going D-less for sure. Because <laughs> <laughs> if I come in. If I come in and I in a gi, I'll have a smoking pipe <laughs> out of my mouth. So. Yeah, yeah. Ray, honestly, I just want to see you and John and and in uh, spandex. To be honest, that that would be oh, something special. So. We'll now put it on pay per view. We'll make millions. Now, you, now you're scaring the crap out of me. We'll it's make millions. Right now. now you're not playing. Now you're bullying me. That's not playing fair. <laughs> Dude, you throw me in a Mayrocky BJJ rash guard. My, my confidence is through Done. the roof. Yeah, you know? sponsor, there's sponsorship money behind that, Anik. Didn't yeah, you I, didn't you see the the comments on Instagram with that picture with me and Weidman? Somebody said I look great. I'm down to an eight cup. I mean, this is awful. I can't. You can't do this to me at Come this on. stage in my life. Get they out actually of here. had to. I took to that give... as a big compliment. Oh man. Well, no. Somebody told me you had to give Reebok new measurements because you're down to like 175 pounds. <laughs> I wish. All right, man. Get out of here. Thank you. We'll talk to you next week. All right, week. guys. Thanks, Take Ray, it Ray. Easy, man. I'll see you next week. So UFC 230, Cormier versus Lewis, Ray doesn't think it's going to be that competitive. Now, you intimated a week ago that maybe DC is rushing into this because he really does see this as an easy matchup for him on paper. And I look at Derek Lewis and I look at the heart and I look at him having one nine of 10, even though a lot of those wins haven't been pretty. I mean, you can look at the Shamil Abdurahimov win, the Francis Ngannou win, the Alexander Volkov win. I mean fights and performances that left a lot to be desired but in the end Derek Lewis had his hand raised I want to read some quotes here from Ryan Bader courtesy of MMA Junkie Radio I think Derek Lewis is funny the whole deal I like his personality like his post-fight speeches and all that kind of stuff but I really think this could be Cormier's easiest fight in a long long time I see DC going out there jabbing him in the face a few times hitting the outside single putting Derek on his butt and it's going to be game over pretty much and it seems to me Kenny like that would probably be a big part of DC's analysis is I'm going to put him on his ass once, try to gas that tank early, and strategically that's why I think that I can get this job done despite not having ample time to prepare. I agree. And listen, that is pretty much DC's game, right? When you get this guy, you know, you get a guy like DC who is uh, a tremendous wrestler and he's been doing it for the majority of his life. Um, He's elite. He's an Olympian. Uh, obviously, that that's always going to be a big part of his game plan. It's similar to a Habib. Now, DC can strike, uh, in my opinion, better than Habib. He's more dangerous with his striking, of course. Um, but for the most part, that's not really going to be a, a major part of his game plan. He's always looking to put guys on his back. If he gets on top of you, you are in trouble. So... Yeah, I mean, that's what you got to do against Derek Lewis, right? That That's uh, the easiest path to victory. Um, and it's the safest path because Derek Lewis, at the end of the day, is dangerous. He can put you out with one shot, and it doesn't even need to be perfect. He could clip you and put you to sleep. So DC has to respect that. I'm sure he does respect the power of Derek Lewis. Um, so, yeah, I, I think 
his whole game plan is to put him on his back as quickly as possible. Now, it is an easy fight if he's able to do that. No doubt about it. Derek Lewis right. is not submitting Daniel Cormier. All right? Um, I would bet a lot of money on that. Uh, right. Can he knock him out, though? Yes, absolutely. So uh, DC has to be very careful um, in this fight. But, uh, yeah, th this is going to be a pretty easy fight if he's able to do what he normally does. One thing goes without saying when it comes to the Black Beast. He is a prize fighter in its true essence, right? He is fighting for money. He's not fighting for the love of the game, right? And he's made a lot of money and a lot of bonuses and maybe made more money than he ever thought he could in the UFC. Mm -hmm. And given that backdrop and given what is now in front of him, I really expect him to maximize these three weeks. I don't think he's going to walk in there and, and, you know, be the cardio king, Cain Velasquez. But I think with the championship stakes and the payday, and when you think about the ramifications of winning this fight and getting pay-per-view points as a UFC heavyweight champion, it's all in front of Derek Lewis here. And I, I'm not saying that, you know, the odds are out of whack as he sits there at plus 500 this morning, but I just think that you're going to see Derek Lewis do everything in his power to put himself in a position to maximize this opportunity. And, uh, hey, man, it's heavyweights. You just never know. DC's given up some size. We'll see. That's why they play the games, I guess. And I would say this. DC has to be particularly careful if he lands a shot on Derek Lewis because Derek's been doing this in a few fights now where he kind of acts like he's hurt and he kind of baits you in like almost like he's going to drop down and then he throws a shot last second. Daniel yeah. has to be very careful and really analyze – uh, how he comes in if he does land a shot on a Derek Lewis and you see that Derek is hurt. Um, he's got to be very careful because Derek has been very tricky uh, with that kind of shot, almost acting like he's hurt, rope-a-dope, yeah. and then lands right. a big shot. Yeah. Now, DC, our guy, is really betting on himself here, Kenny. He is going to vacate his undisputed UFC light heavyweight championship as soon as Gustafson and John Jones fight on December 29th. But Cormier has come out and said, if I lose to Derek Lewis... And that's a full two months before Jones and Gustafson are scheduled to fight. I am still the light heavyweight champion. Perhaps DC would try to work his way into that Jones-Gustafson fight. And I would imagine they would try to make DC Jones in that situation. Mm. I'm not sure they're going to reverse course with DC. I feel like they've yeah. sort of made this commitment to the Jones-Gustafson fight. But seems like DC has thought about the scenario that if he does lose the fight, then maybe he would go back down to 205 pounds. But this is the consummate wager on oneself in my opinion if you're Daniel Cormier that to to do this and put the Lesnar fight potentially on the line everything's on the line for Daniel Cormier come November 3rd and we will see how it shakes out all right support for the Anakin Florian podcast comes from our friends at Rocket Mortgage by Quicken Loans America's premier home purchase lender let's talk about buying a home it can be one of the most important purchases you'll ever make, but today's fluctuating interest rates can leave you with unexpected higher payments which can turn a great experience into an anxious one well, that's why Quicken Loans created their exclusive power buying process. So here's how it works. They check your income, assets, and credit to give you a verified approval. This gives you the strength of a cash buyer and makes your offer more attractive to sellers. Once you're verified, you qualify for their exclusive rate shield approval. They'll lock your interest rate for up to 90 days while you shop for your new home. Then once you've found the one, if rates have gone up, your rate stays the same. But if rates have gone down, you get to keep that new lower rate. Either way you win, it's the kind of thinking you'd expect from America's largest mortgage lender. 
So to get started, go to rocketmortgage.com slash anik, rocketmortgage.com slash A-N-I-K. Rate shield approval only valid on certain 30-year purchase transactions. Additional conditions or exclusions may apply based on Quicken Loans data in comparison to public data records. Equal housing lender, licensed in all 50 states, nmlsconsumeraccess.org, number 3030. All right, UFC Fight Night, Vulcan versus Smith, Beckins, and Moncton this weekend. Let us get to the picks in the main event challenge. It's the main event challenge. Anik. The time is most definitely now. Florian. I finished fights. I'm going to do everything possible to win. The main event challenge. The John Anik and Kenny Florian podcast. All right, first we go all the way back to UFC 229 to update the standings. <laughs> MMA lock of the night, Edge can flow. Two to one was the margin, so he had Khabib Nurmagomedov in the main event. Just missed the round prop, did man preet. Um, and he did give our listeners, by the way, an underdog winner on Juicy A Formiga, but that did not factor into the standings. Team Attic leads it 116-106 as we shift focus to UFC Moncton. Joining us to make picks today, representing Cincinnati, Ohio. Brian Petrie is with us. Brian, how are you, man? I'm doing great, boys. Thanks for having me on. It's our pleasure, man. I know you've been waiting in the queue for a while, and I know you've done your homework. Are you an NFL fan, too? Did you happen to watch the entirety of that Bengals-Chiefs game last night or what? You know, John, I did, and uh, I, had to, I had to walk around my neighborhood after a while. It was, uh, it was uh, brutal. I still think the Bengals are going to be there and make the playoffs, but 45-10, to 10, not what you're looking for in the in the primetime showcase last night. All right, let's get to the picks. UFC hitting Moncton, New Brunswick, Canada for the first time this weekend. You can see the main card on FS1. And on that main card will be the Canadian Misha Serkunov. He's a minus 450 favorite here against Patrick Cummins. Cummins sits at plus 325. He's won two of three overall. Did drop his last fight to Corey Anderson. That was in April in Atlantic City. Cummins has proven to be a hard guy to put away. That is the goal for Misha Serkunov, a guy who, Brian, was all the rage a couple years ago before a couple of knockout losses. How do you see it playing out here between Serkunov and Pat Cummins? You know, when I first saw this fight, this was tough for me to pick because Cummins is so tough. He's such an old-school guy. He gets in your face. He breaks your will. He gets he gets dented up in most of his fights. But Serkunov is re- priced really high for this, a big favorite coming off two knockout losses. I mean, albeit they were Glover Teixeira and, and Volkan Uzumir, who were both heavy, heavy-handed heavy guys. He started his UFC career 4-0 with four finishes. He's Canadian-born. Um, I thought in the Glover fight, he looked pretty good with his hands. He hit Glover a lot. I mean, he didn't necessarily hurt him, but uh, he definitely looked, some, uh, looked to improve on his hands. Good southpaw here. Cummings is so hard to put away. But I think Cummings, you know, Cummings scared me with his last fight against Corey Anderson. Corey Anderson dominated that fight. I, I really, really like Serkinov, even though I think he's priced a little too high for me. Yeah, I would agree with that, Ken Flo. Serkinov getting a lot of respect from Vegas in this spot against Cummins. How do you see it playing out? Yeah, I, I thought maybe a little bit too much love, uh, especially given that Cummins is probably the better wrestler. He's going to be able to take him down and put uh, Misha on his back. Misha's decent on his back, uh, but that's not really his strong suit on the ground. He's better when he gets on top. I'm not sure how many times he'll be able to get on top of Cummins in this right. fight. If he does, I, I think he can certainly finish the fight. But uh, minus 450 uh, is is definitely inflated. Um I'm tempted. I'm tempted to go with Cummins just to go the other way and try to score right. some points. Uh, right. But uh, i got to go with Misha here. I'll go with Misha. I think he's the better striker overall as well. All right, Misha Serkinov for Ken Flo. Pat Cummins has spent a lot of this training camp at Alliance MMA there in Southern California. Co-main event. 
Now, this one was to feature Zubera Tahugov, as many of you know, against Artem Labov. But, of course, due to Tahugov's involvement in that Khabib Connor brawl, he's out. Perennial contender Michael Johnson is in here against Artem Labov. Johnson, the prohibitive favorite here, Brian, minus 550. Labov plus 400. Both guys fought Andre Feely their last time out. MJ beat him. Labov did not. Brian Petrie, who do you like here in the co-main? You know, I love this fight for Michael Johnson. I think Michael Johnson is one of those guys that if he just can put it all together, he could be great. I mean, listen, this guy knocked out Dustin Poirier a couple, I mean, not that long ago. And then he has the only win over Tony Ferguson. The guy has skills. He has got a piston of a left hand. I love his, I love that his game. I just don't like his mental. You know, he's been winning fights and he, and he loses late. Um, you know, Autumn Lobov's kind of a punching bag with, with MMA Twitter. He gets joked on a lot because he's Connor's boy and, you know, and he's, he's an easy target because he's not obviously the star that Connor is. However, Autumn's never been finished in the UFC. Um, the, the problem with Autumn, though, is I think he's a little too slow. I think he's a little too plodding. He goes forward. He doesn't have the best footwork. I think he's going to get hit a lot. Uh, my only concern is if Michael Johnson can hit him all three rounds because he does slow down later in the fight. Uh, I just I can't bet against Michael Johnson because I am a fan of Michael Johnson. I'm going to go Michael Johnson on here this one. It is amazing when you think about some of the big wins for Michael Johnson, right? Edson Barboza, Tony Ferguson, Dustin Poirier. He has beat the elite lightweights. Now he's plying his trade at featherweight Kenny. Obviously, in the lower half, he doesn't carry a lot of unnecessary weight. Had no issues really making the featherweight limit a couple times. How do you see it playing out for Johnson here as a big favorite this weekend? Yeah, uh, as they say, speed kills, and Michael Johnson certainly has speed. Uh, that has always been at the forefront of his attack you know he has very fast hands he has good footwork he can follow you he can pressure you um this is a very difficult fight for artem um as mr petrie you know really stated because of the fact that he's slower um he's not really great at moving his head uh his his feet are kind of stuck in the canvas um, this is going to be a tough fight. The, the only problem with this is Michael Johnson obviously taking this fight on short notice. It is at 145. Um, he, I thought he looked uh, good in his last fight, his last couple fights at 145. I, I think he, he's probably pretty comfortable there, but I don't know if it's an easy weight cut for him necessarily. Right. Uh, but other than that, I, I think Michael Johnson wins this and wins this pretty easily. Right, not having eight or ten weeks to yeah. methodically cut down to 146 yeah. pounds. We'll see if that's any sort of factor. All right, main event, Volkan Uzdemir. He's got no time for your games, folks. He's the minus 160 favorite here, returning for the first time, actually, since that title fight against Daniel Cormier, which was back in January of this year. He draws the plus 155 underdog, Anthony Lionheart-Smith, who certainly, as our listeners know, has a lot of momentum coming in. Brian, this is the main event. We will need the round and the method of victory. Who takes the main event in Moncton? I love Anthony Smith. He is a wagon right now. This guy is crushing everybody. I know I'm getting a little excited because he's coming off two first-round knockouts. I know Rashad Evans retired shortly after, and Shogun's maybe at the end of his road. But those are both former champions of Hall of Famers. You can't take anything away from this guy. The one thing I want to talk about Anthony Smith is back in 2010, he was 5-5 five and five as a pro. I've been a lot around the MMA guys around my neck of the woods. And when you're 5-5, five and five, I mean, not, not many people make it to the UFC. He is now 30-13. and 13. The mental toughness on this guy, I absolutely love. I love that he's at 205. He's 6'4". I mean, I don't know how he made 185. I know he's a little lean, but he's a big boy. Uh, Vulcan's good. Vulcan, Vulcan swings a lot. First round is going to be what, what's going to test me. Um, Anthony needs to keep his guard up. Vulcan comes out. Every Vulcan fight, he comes out hot. He did with the D.C. He throws heavy hands. He has a crazy amount of power. 
but he slows down. And, and this is a five-round fight. I think Anthony Smith knows that. He has comeback power. He knocked out Hector Lombard in the third round. Um, I'm all in on Anthony Smith. I love, I love this matchup for him. I think if he can stay long and, and use that front kick to keep Vulcan away and, and just keep a high guard, I think he can pick him apart. I'm looking at TKO, KO round two for Anthony Smith. TKO or knockout round two for Anthony Smith, the plus 155 underdog. And Kenny, we've set up the story on Smith. This is truly one of the feel-good stories in MMA right now at present. And I'll take it a step further, Brian. He was actually 5-6 and six at one point in time. That was 2010. Oh, wow. So he made his pro debut at 19 years old at 1.5-6. and six. In 2013, he was 17-11. and 11. Now he's won 13 of 15. He's knocked the opponent out in his last five wins, Kenny. I thought this would be a closer fight on paper given the recent form of Anthony Lionheart-Smith. Yeah. Your expectations as to what we'll see this weekend? Uh, yeah, this is a great fight, first of all. Both these guys obviously have the power to finish this fight at, at any point. Uh, uh, for me, I, I think Anthony really need, needs to utilize those leg kicks. He needs to keep Vulcan on the outside. If Vulcan gets on the inside, I think he does have the cleaner hands. I think Anthony Smith at long range is the more dangerous fighter. Um, unless Anthony's able to get to a clinch, and that's what he needs to do. Anytime he's on the inside, he needs to get that tie clinch um, and work those knees of the body, then go upstairs with the knee. So uh, Vulcan, I, I think, you know, in that short range, if he can keep it uh, standing, uh, I think is the better fighter when it comes to the boxing range overall. Anthony Smith, keep him on the outside, keep those kicks of the body, try to slow him down, and take Vulcan out a little bit later in the fight. I agree with Brian there. Um, however, I think Vulcan is a lot uh, early on. I think he's got fast hands, sneaky fast. He's got sneaky power. He throws a lot of unorthodox shots that you really don't see. Um, and both these guys really have tremendous chins. So, um, it's a tough one for me. Uh, we haven't seen Vulcan in a while. Anthony Smith has been a little bit more active. For me, I was going to go the opposite way. Whatever Brian was going to do here to try yeah. to score myself some points, I'm going to go with Vulcan here. All right, and you think he gets it done by knockout, flow? I'm going to go with knockout round one. Vulcan Uzdemir, knockout round one for Ken Flo. And, yeah, it's been a long time for Vulcan. We'll see what type of improvements he's made technically and otherwise since we saw him against D.C. in January. He was linked to a couple fights, Alexander Gustafson, at one point in time, but Vulcan was unable to make the walks. Yeah. All right, a couple quick picks here on the way out. If you've got something on this fight, feel free to give it to me. But ultimately, Brian, we just need winners here. Alex Garcia, minus 175 versus Court McGee, plus 145. Brian, who do you like? I like Alex Garcia in this fight. Hopefully he returns the form uh, with some knockout power and he can stuff Court McGee's takedowns. Ken Flo, your former teammate Alex Garcia, 10th UFC appearance for him, 14th for Court McGee, who has lost two straight, could be fighting for his job here. Garcia or McGee? Yeah, I'm going to go with Garcia. All right, two plays for Alex Garcia. All right, next up, this is a good fight on the main card, potentially Andre Sukum top minus 200. Jonathan Martinez, the UFC newcomer, plus 165. He's stepping in here for Gavin Tucker. Martinez, pretty good body of work on paper, 9-1 and one overall. Only pro loss is actually the UFC fighter Matt Schnell, who has won two straight in the UFC. And that, by the way, was a DQ loss for Martinez due to throwing an illegal knee. So he's got some momentum. Sukumtak coming off that exciting loss to the Sugar Show, Sean O'Malley at UFC 222 back in March. Brian, Sukumtak or Martinez for you? I love the newcomer. I love the underdog. Give me Martinez. Ken Flo, Sukumtak or Martinez? Kid? I'm going to go with Sukumtak. All right, and then finally, Nordin Taleb, minus 130 versus Sean Strickland at even money. This fight at welterweight. Bry, who do you like? Um, give me Sean Strickland in that fight. 
Can flow to Leb or Strickland for you. Yeah, I'll go the other way then. I'll go with Nordine. All right, so we got some opportunities for the flow to close some ground here. Again, still two months to go, and UFC is basically live every week in November and December, so still plenty of time for Ken Flo to uh, to make it two straight wins in the main event challenge. Brian Petrie, well done, my friend. Appreciate your insights, all the preparation, and enjoy the fights this weekend, kid. I appreciate it, guys. Thank you. And, John, congrats on the uh, extension with UFC, man. You're the best in the business. I appreciate oh, it. Oh, thank you, Brian. Appreciate it, buddy. All right, good stuff there. Yeah. UFC Moncton this weekend. All right, final note on the way out. So also announced since we were last on the air, Kenny, UFC 231 will be the featherweight championship, Max Holloway and Brian Ortega. Mm -hmm. And some interesting comments from T-City. He has mentioned that one way or another, he's going to be fighting for the undisputed title. He got that type of language in his contract, which I think is a really good thing for him and provides him some insurance in the event that Max Holloway is unable to make the walk. You also saw a headline that Ortega said the UFC – has seemed to hone in on a replacement opponent should one right. of these guys not be able to make the walk. Yeah, I thought that was interesting. Um, and, and I think it's the right call, obviously, based on what happened in their last fight. Um, I hope it's not because of something where they're maybe questioning whether Holloway is going to be able to compete or not. I don't think that's the case. I think it was probably for Ortega's uh, sanity uh, that he has some kind of replacement uh, right. for Holloway in case uh, you know something crazy happens but um right. hopefully holloway is healthy um i think that's the way to go now who are they gonna pick i don't know um you know it's maybe, not a long list right no i, I exactly I, I would say probably jose aldo i don't think it makes sense for aldo to fight um holloway Max, of course since right. he's beaten him twice but uh, i think aldo since they haven't fought before um, being a Brazilian jiu-jitsu black belt, having the kind of striking that he has, the fact that he had the belt for so damn long, um, I think does make sense as, as a potential replacement for Holloway. Uh, but uh, I'm glad that this fight is happening. It, it's one of the best featherweight fights in UFC history, and uh, oh, it's yeah. going to be a good one, man. And hopefully Max Holloway won't need to be replaced, and Brian Ortega will stay healthy yeah. as well. But you're right, Jose Aldo, on the heels of what he did against Jeremy Stevens, you know, had he not turned that result in, he wouldn't even be in this conversation. Right. So the fact that he has that win, I think, always puts the king of Rio on the short list. And maybe Chad Mendez, who is back in the top five. I mean, only mm -hmm. one fight since returning from suspension. It was dominant and a win over Miles Jury. Perhaps Chad Mendez is on the short list, a guy who's fought for the title twice before. And we shall see. That yeah. is your... Headliner one way or the other, UFC 231, coming up December 8th, I believe it is, in Toronto, Ontario, Canada. All right, before we go, so I promised one of our listeners that I would never lead the show with baseball ever again. So I'm going to do it on the way out. I'm going <laughs> to congratulate the Boston Red Sox on reaching their fourth World Series in the last 15 years. Of course, congrats to the L.A. Dodgers. Ken Flo, I mean, you're, you're a Boston guy, tried and true. You've never you know, shifted your focus or your allegiance to a Los Angeles team. I don't know if you're going to be going to the World Series or not, but just calm my nerves and let me know that there is not a single ounce of your being that is rooting for the Dodgers. John, you know, I've been to Fenway a bunch of times in my life. You know, Flory Martial Arts Center is right down the street from right. Fenway Park. And, uh, but I have been living in Los Angeles for over here, seven man. years. So I got to say, I am with the Red Sox. Come on. Oh, you think I was going to go with the Dodgers, bro? Come on. I mean, dude. You're you crazy, bro. I was about to, like, cancel the Anakin Florian podcast with finality <laughs> if you were rooting for the Dodgers. But uh, oh, World Series tickets are going to be expensive. But Ken Flo yes. is a well-connected guy. What I really would like to see you do is get your daughter in the building. Just put the cans on, so you fun, know. Dude. 
now she's got to have the. She does. You know, she has give them your already. daughter the the headphones. She has. Them. Yeah. See, yes. of course. Yep. Clark Florian, Mother of the Year, 2018, and there's not even a close <laughs> second. I know. Uh, I did make a bet with uh, with UFC commentator Jimmy Smith. By the way, the loser will have to change their Twitter photo to the other team's logo oh, for a week. So like if that. you see the blue and white LA on my page, uh, at least you will know why. <laughs> All right, quick episode today because it's a busy Monday for both of us. We're back, though, in a week to look back at what will be the UFC's first trip to Moncton this weekend. Also, a big preview, UFC 230, Cormier versus Lewis. Friend of the program, Dean Thomas, going to join us next week to break down that whole card and talk about some of his guys that are coming up. But we got to get out of here. For Ken Flo and the rest of our crew at Fox Sports, I'm John Anna. Thank you all for listening. We will talk to you again in less than a week. Until then, don't text and drive. You'll live. The John Anik and Kenny Florian Podcast. Sports betting is sweeping across the country faster than the coronavirus, and wagering week is your antidote. I'm Tom Martin, and I'm a veteran sports analyst and respected sports handicapper who helped build ESPN's brand. I've been recognized and awarded by Pro Football Weekly and Gaming Today magazine as the honest handicapper. Let the other guys give you the same old boring sports talk with the same tired storylines. We'll give it to you straight here every Friday on Wagering Week. Don't gamble with other podcasts. Let Sports Garden Network's Wagering Week help your bottom line. I'm Royal Oaks. Next time on Too Many Lawyers, we take on a couple of villains to sort out whether bad stuff is also illegal stuff. George Santos won a seat in Congress by lying to voters, but is that a crime? And Kanye West made it clear he hates Jews. In England, he'd go to jail for that. Here in America, did he commit a hate crime? Listen to Too Many Lawyers on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Now's a good time to remember where the story of tequila started. In 1795, the first tequila distillery was opened by the Cuervo family. And 229 years later, Cuervo is still going strong. Family owned from the start. Same family, same land. Now's a good time to enjoy Cuervo, the tequila that invented tequila. Go to Cuervo.com to shop tequila or visit a store near you. Cuervo, now's a good time. Trademarks owned by Beckless AB to CV 2024, Proximo, Jersey City, New Jersey. Please drink responsibly.